Textile Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Deus Textile Podcast, a place where some of the most progressive and innovative builders, thought leaders, and traders in the crypto space come together to discuss all areas of the crypto industry. Whether you're into DeFi, Layer 1s, Layer 2s, NFTs, or anything in between, we've got you covered. And as a reminder, nothing said on this podcast should be construed as financial advice or as a solicitation to buy or sell any digital asset or security. The comments, views, and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests on the podcast are their own. As always, you'll need to do your own research. Now, with that out of the way, let's get to the episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Deus Ex Dow podcast. I am Brucey, one of the Deus Ex Dow co-founders slash core team. Um, and I'm super excited to have with me today my co-host, Aperture. Um, Ape, do you want to go and introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Aperture. I'm a trader, but also active in the DeFi space at uh, Deus XDAO, also as a, a core member. Um, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about RoboVault uh, because I have used it in the past and I think it's a great platform. So let's introduce our guests. Let's do that. Okay, cool. Uh, we have SmoothBot, uh, I love the name, with us today from the RoboVault slash Dojima team. Um, we have been fans of the protocol for a while. They are a, I guess, yield aggregation slash um, strategy product. And um, it's it's incredibly big brained. And uh, we wanted to have them on to kind of elucidate some of the things that they're doing and that are coming up. And so SmoothBot, I, I think maybe you can best introduce yourself. Uh, do you, do you want to go ahead and take that? Thanks, Brucey, and thanks, Ape, for, for having me on. It's um, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, so I'm my I'm a co-founder of of RoboVault. We're a uh, a yield aggregator, and and we also deploy some some fairly complex strategies as well. Um, I think the best way to describe us is that we're we're a yearn v two fork um, nowadays. We weren't originally, but but we are now. Um, and we we focus on on trying to deliver the best yield for our users um, by shifting um, strategies as, as the markets change. That's that's the, the quick rundown. Great. Okay. Well, very important because some of us are seasoned DeFi users, but even still, we want the best yield and we prefer to do as little as possible for it uh, with as much security. And I think that's where you guys come in. Absolutely. That's, that's sort of our... Um, our goal in in life <laughs> is that the DeFi is is such a minefield and very complicated, particularly for new users, to get their head around what's uh, what's safe and and what's what's legitimate, um, and actually understanding the risks that they're taking when using products. Um, so what we're really trying to do is to to do that uh, to front load that for our users so that they can they can look into us just one one platform. Um, look at how we we do security. Look at look at how we um, deploy uh, strategies, um, so that they don't have to be hunting and monitoring. So they can enjoy time with their loved ones and know that they're getting a decent yield. I think that's one of the main features that attracted me to your platform. Uh, it was was simple, um, where I could just deposit these tokens into the contract. 
Um, but when I looked into deep more uh, from like what you're doing um, behind uh, the curtains, um, you know, that's where, where the real um, smart stuff happens, where you do a lot of this uh, collateralization, um, yield farming. Uh, but like the user can look into that, of course, through your platform and through these contracts, but doesn't have to. Um, what led you actually to um, to building this platform? Was it some kind of personal frustration or um, just one of the better ideas you think was missing in DeFi? So it was actually the, it was a brainchild of um, DJ Robert, my, my co-founder. He was running what, what is now, what has now become our core strategy. Um, a, a hedged farming strategy where you um, deposit into a lending platform like Scream. Um, you, by the way, I'll mention you'll you'll hear me speak of of uh, Phantom protocols predominantly because uh, we're we're Phantom native um, at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll continue. They so you deposit, uh, say USDC on Scream. You borrow against that. Uh, you borrow say FDM against that, and then you deploy a LP position. Um, and you're, as, as many people know, if you do that, you're then exposed to the LP, um, impermanent loss. Uh, so it's, it's not a Delta neutral strategy, but what my, what DGen Robert was doing is, uh, just adjusting the, the, his position every day, um, as a way to, to mitigate or minimize the loss, um, from, uh, the, from the impermanent, impermanent loss that is, uh, and so he he and i um well he he whipped up a, a prototype to um that that could automate this in contracts um and then we we forked a forked some some code from other platforms and whipped out a vault um it was i think in hindsight we're quite naive um we we didn't understand the complexity of of what it takes to actually produce a, a product um and I'm, I'm just pleased that we were able to get through that learning curve without any major disasters um, to date, um, but yeah, ultimately it was a strategy that that we were we were doing personally, and we decided to automate it and try and share that with other users. Well, that does sound like scratching your own itch, um, and and these are the type of things that are actually I think so exciting about DeFi, right? Like um, that you can create an LP position, that you can get trading fees and. Um, impermanent loss seems to be pretty well publicly understood, but then once you get to, um, you know, concentrated ranges or when you, when you get to Delta neutral hedging, most people just get lost. Um, and I, I feel like if you guys, what you're doing, like packaging that in, in a, in a trustable solution, uh, with a simple front end, that's really lovely. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so many strategies out there that just aren't economical for a individual user or or a handful of users to, to put the time towards um say we the sort of the research that goes into a validating the third party sorry researching the third party risk um review auditing the contracts of the third parties to make sure that they're, they're safe checking that the multi-sig partners so the, the security front but then also like back once you have an idea doing some back testing and testing the that the strategy is um, is will get a decent return, and that the drawdowns are within your risk profile. Investing that sort of time just isn't isn't feasible for most average users. 
Um, so yeah, that's it comes back to that that we have a platform um, that we and and we have resources that we can direct to doing that that heavy lifting for our users and deploy these strategies in in a safe manner for them. So. So what is what does that make the division and the goal like if you look a few years out where does that bring you It's a, <laughs> a few years in defi is hard to say but uh ultimately we we hope to be continuing to do what what we're doing um and and the opportunities are changing every day for uh for the strategies so at the moment about probably 70 to 80% of our time is spent building strategies and and improving existing strategies tweaking to make them more performant um or, or less gas intensive for instance um so I, I don't think that's going anywhere i think quite the counter the DeFi is going to get more and more complex um and there will be continue to be a need for uh individuals like ourselves to front load that effort to essentially arbitrage opportunities in the market um that are hidden and and more difficult to access could you go a little bit deeper into what fault strategies you are currently operating what's like the core strategy and um what elements are part of this core strategy yeah sure thing um so i think the you can uh broadly categorize our strategies into three strategy so we've got our the, the simple yield aggregation as the first these strategies are the sort um say like deploying onto um onto cream and and auto compounding onto uh, scream or um yearns actually actually built a generic lender that that we forked um which will lend to uh scream iron bank 100 finance and even now liquid drivers 100 finance um pool and it will monitor the APYs of each of those pools and every harvest it will check which which pool has the best returns and it will shift all, all of the capital to that pool um to sorry that lending platform um within that strategy so that's that's one of the the core strategies that we have running at the moment and we we didn't do that for we only had one strategy for quite some time but we've recently introduced uh more what we consider safer strategies that aren't exposed um, to market movements and, and don't need a keeper to monitor their um, the, the position. Um, so yeah, that's yield aggregation. Including that would be a, a tarot or Impermax um, lending optimizer, where it ensures a, si a similar concept where you lend to the the pool with the highest APY. Um, next to that would be stable LP farming. So there's a couple ways you can do this. Um, the first is uh, say a USDC, uh, USDT pool on Curve. You uh, you provide 100% USDC, you swap half of that for USDT, and then you farm the LP um, and, and uh, compound the returns. Um, and another way to do that is with two vaults, both combining to the LP so that you don't actually need to swap, um, which is less capital capital efficient, but it uses um, it doesn't uh, have any losses from the swap fees. Um, and the third category is is uh, what 
we call our core strategy and, and that's what I was, I was getting at earlier is this um, hedge farming strategy where we take the, let's say USDC and FTM as the, as the farming pair. We take that, uh, a portion of that USDC, say 70% of that, um, we deploy that to, to Scream. Uh, we then borrow uh, whatever we set the, the collateral ratio to. So at the moment it's, it's sitting at 35%. So we borrow the equivalent of 35% of that USDC um, and then combine it with an LP position. Combine it with the um, the remaining 30% USDC and create an LP position. And like I was saying previously, the uh, this exposes the strategy to a uh, to the uh, market conditions through the impermanent loss. So how we hedge that is we we constantly we we have bots that are keeper bots that are constantly monitoring the FDM USDC price, um, and any time that price moves without. Um, outside of a, a particular window, we'll rebalance the entire position. So we'll liquidate the whole lot and then uh, do a small swap to rebalance it and then redeploy. Um, on on first look, it would it would sound like this uh, might not be uh, have a positive expected value, but we've found through our back testing and and subsequent deployment that it does. Uh, this is predominantly because the farming rewards compared to the the borrowing costs um for these assets is, is far higher so for for much of last year uh the fdm usdc um lp rewards were up at 100 percent and above that um they've since flattened a bit down to between 40 and 60 uh but it's our our strategy is still profitable um even at those lower levels this is a lot to unpack okay thanks for for going into this so um, I think it's really great if we can try to get this to be really understandable for, for the average listener. So core strategy is um, you supply, let's say, USDC, right? So someone deposits single side and a portion of that will be borrowed and then you combine them into an LP position that you rebalance, right? And then, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Okay, yeah. And then you mentioned, um, I guess, another strategy that is more lending-based. Um, how is that different? Because also we saw on this site that sometimes there's mention of multi-strategy. Yeah, okay. So um, when we first deployed uh, RoboVault, we had a single strategy architecture. So we could only deploy just the one strategy per vault. Um, but in December of this year, or, sorry, of last year, and um, we released our, our V3, uh, which is a fork of Fjern V2. Uh, which allows you allows us to deploy multiple strategies. So, for instance, right now in our USDC vault, where we have a uh, lending optimizer strategy running, uh, as well as our core strategy running, uh, with I think it's a, a thirty to seventy percent ratio between them. Uh, so, okay, so one vault can have multiple strategies. So, the strategies that you're mentioning now can be in a single product from a user experience. That's right. That's right. And so we, we spend a lot of time monitoring and we've built up uh, some a, a lot of logging infrastructure and monitoring infrastructure to to monitor the returns of the strategies and uh, which informs us to allocate uh, the, the purport, the, a suitable portion to each of the strategies to get the best return. Um, so some strategies will have an upper limit of how much you can actually deploy to them because it'll, um, it all has too much of an impact 
on the the APY. So say we deployed 100%, the APY would, would flatten out completely. Um, and then other strategies, we we also want to mitigate the risk, so we don't want to deploy a too high a proportion of the the vault to that strategy. And and our core strategy falls under that category. Mm-hmm. I I see. I see. That makes sense. Um, so w- one thing you mentioned going over the strategies was one where you might combine different single sided deposits into an LP so that you don't incur the borrowing costs. Um, and that sounds really innovative to me. Uh, c- could you talk about that a bit? Like how, how do you intend to put that in practice and, um, is it live yet? So this, uh, we call this a, a joint LP strategy and that, that architecture of, of having two, uh, individual joint LP providers. So two different tokens, both contributing to, to a single combined strategy, um, can be used for, for multiple strategies um a common one being uh stable farming so stable pair farming um which is where you just deploy two stable tokens say die and usdc um that one's fairly simple um low risk and and we don't have any in in production at the moment we've we have some in test at the moment uh the higher risk uh equivalent of that is a hedged farming joint lp strategy so rather than doing that with a stable pair you do that with a variable pair so wrap phantom and usdc for instance um which directly exposes the vault to uh lp more so than our core hedged farming but it's more capital efficient because it doesn't require you to provide uh the amount of collateral for the um for the and then borrow against that collateral so you can deploy 100 of the capital to a lp position um, however, that also with with the capital efficiency also comes more volatility uh, when there are price movements. So the the EV will be more positive, but more more volatile. I see. Um, I'm I'm personally super super interested in that one. Um, okay, that that's all really great. And so, um, how? What, like what's necessary for a, a product to be included in the options that your strategy might optimize for, right? You have mentioned Tarot, Imperamax, Scream, 100 Finance. Um, what, what does it take for something to be viable and deemed safe enough? So the first thing that needs to happen is that uh, a platform needs to get our attention. And, and the best way to do that is with solid returns that, that uh, users will come come to our discord and say, uh, we're getting this sort of return here. Why, why is the, the vault not getting that return? So we will look into it. Um, and from that point, then it'll, we'll do, do a review of, of the, of the protocol. Um, so 95% of protocols are forked. So we'll look at the, we'll look at the contracts, uh, do a diff to see what they've changed and then make a judgment. Um, a lot of protocols these days do have rug risks. Um, and they have often will have a multi-sig for those uh, critical functions. Um, so if it's, if it's a protocol like that and the team's not known, we, we essentially won't touch it. Um, where We wouldn't be comfortable deploying our users' assets to um, a protocol uh, that, that doesn't have a, doesn't have a reputation um, and hasn't got a proven track record. Um, so that's one big red flag. Um, 
and then the next is uh, if even so. Actually, to extend that, if if the team is is suspicious, but the contracts are just completely sound, there isn't even a risk of rug um, from from the the team. Then we would consider that that strategy. So, say if it's um, uh, like a, a master chef farming, uh, you just the the standard master chef contract, which there is no rug risk in that outside of the tokens you're holding. Um, we we definitely just deploy the capital of that because it's it's very safe. Um, then beyond sort of an audit, it'll be uh, we'll then put the effort towards uh, the the research and determining whether or not the strategy will be viable and and how much uh, APY it will return. Um, so that that plays a role. I'm, I'm just trying not to ramble here, but beyond that also the longevity of it if it looks like it's going to be a pump and dump uh it's only going to be around for a week or two we won't invest the time uh because it, it's it's simply not worth it unfortunately seems you are looking a lot at these contracts from other projects uh are you also like directly in contact with with the projects you're um deploying funds in or other projects for uh, smart contract testing or seeing if there are any vulnerabilities? Yeah, so we, we'll get on pretty much uh, actually every every protocol that we uh, deploy assets to, we do contact the the team and have a chat to them. And often we, we ask questions as we're digging into the contract to, to further understand it. Um, so yeah, there is, is that... Uh, back and forth. Uh, we haven't actually had a situation where we had to provide feedback or where we, we found anything that was nefarious in a contract, fortunately. Um, but I think that's because we're, we're, we are conservative with the contracts, that, with the, the teams and contracts that we interact with. Um, so no, there, there hasn't been a need for us to dig in deeper and do testing on the behalf of the protocols just yet. Also, our team's not big enough for that. Um, so really, that that might be a possibility when we scale up a bit more, but at the moment we've we've still got to, to optimize on on what's going to get the best return for our for our customers given the effort that we put in. Yeah, so I think um, you mentioned that you were basing this mostly on these urine contracts or your contracts on these urine uh, contracts. So you are um, in contact with the Yearn team. Could, could you tell us a little bit more about that contact? Yeah. Um, so I, I think maybe this is a good time to uh, raise that in, I believe it was October of last year. Um, the Yearn team reached out to us one afternoon uh, and specifically it was FP, um, FP and uh, Xerox Storm and Flashfish reached out to us because FP had discovered a vulnerability in our contracts. Um, and I have to say a huge shout out to, to FP and the rest of the Yearn team. They, they really tackled this in a, in a super professional manner and really saved the day. Um, it's worth having a read of our, we've got a Medium article that digs into this in, in further detail. Uh, but a vulnerability was discovered. They uh, uh, whipped up a war room, pulled in uh, people from the Yearn team to help out, 
um, just worked out how we could secure the funds, um, which which we did immediately. Um, as soon as the funds were secure, we announced it. Um, essentially, we had to wind down all of the vaults um, and and stop business for for a couple of months. Um, but it was yeah, it was a pretty pretty tough um, experience. Um, however, we're just super stoked to have the Yearn team. They're really just um, real soldiers in the space. Uh, but yeah, that was our that was our introduction to the Yearn team. Um, since then, uh, we've been had back and forths. Uh, it's quite a, a friendly uh, relationship. Uh, both Dejan and I are in there. They've got a boarding school for for strategists, um, and so we we um, we're both active in in their their boarding school chat on Telegram. Um, and we also, uh, after that happened, we we then made the decision to fork uh, Yearn's uh, vault infrastructure, um, and at the same time, we we made the call that twenty percent of all of our fees go to uh, Yearns Dow um, to to sort of show our thanks for for their for saving the day and also for uh, forking their their contract. Uh, I think that's so cool. And personally, I also I think the way you guys handled this felt felt very professional. I think that was the, um, the consensus that existed within the DAO. You know, we felt like you guys handled that with grace. Um, and it also seemed like it has imposed maybe even more uh, risk sensitivity on you guys, right? In terms of caps and how you're approaching both a token launch, but also deploying new strategies. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, yeah, had a very good read of that, that it was um, quite eye opening for us. Um, and we really, uh, we really, registered that we, we needed to put a lot more focus on security. Um, and personally, I became extremely risk averse. Um, so uh, DJ Robots, it's sort of, he's more willing to put a bit of risk into things. So it's, it's a good balance that we um, have a lot of very open and open back and forth on on the risk tolerance. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> so, uh, did, did, is, so this is why you are the smooth bot and he is the DJ bot. <laughs> it, it panned out that way, I guess. <laughs> But I assure you, I wasn't smooth. I wasn't very smooth the day that they discovered the vulnerability. I was a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, the um, uh, so the risk tolerance definitely um, we we reined it in. Uh, so for our V two contracts, we did far more to, far more testing uh, than we done had done initially. Um, we we got them audited before deployment, and we had a very slow. Uh, uh, Increase in the cap. So initially, we had caps at I think it was 500k for our wrapped FDM and, and USDC vaults, and so have slowly been increasing that over the months. Um, the the justification there is a we we can communicate to a smaller user base about the risks. Um, so we really hope to be as transparent as possible and really educate our users on the risks that they are taking when they are using our vaults. Um, and also that if there was a, a critical failure that we could have, uh, the, the impact would be less and that possibly there could be a, a, a payment plan um, once we, in the future somehow, uh, which in fact did happen. We had a, we had a small issue um, where our keeper uh, had a failure during a, a flash crash in December. Uh, and the outcome was that the, uh, a couple of the FDM vaults were, had liquidations which dropped the the price of the vaults by about two to three percent um and 
uh, we did repay. Uh, we repaid plus added some on for the opportunity cost that was lost there for all the users that, that lost that 2 to 3% at that stage. Very gracious. Um, th that That's terrific. Okay. And a kickback to Yearn, right? So what what is that? Is that of RoboVault's soon-to-be token earnings? Uh, so we, we will give a allocation to earn to earn when we do the airdrop. Um, however, at the moment, it's just part of our fee. So our fee structure at the moment is is twenty percent of uh, profits and and a zero percent management fee. Um, so twenty percent of that twenty percent goes to Yearn. Uh, just directly gets sent to their uh, their governance address. I, I think that's really smart too because. They have shown so much goodwill, I suppose, by um, helping you find this issue and resolve it. And by doing this, they will remain involved. And obviously, since you're building on their stack, like um, that just grows their ecosystem. So I, I can imagine that this just further strengthens a what is already a productive partnership. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, necess a necessity for us to do this, um, to say our thanks. We it's far less than we owe them in in on all honesty um but i i think it's a small contribution we're still a small protocol so we, once when we can give more we will yeah great okay um so it sounds like a lot for you guys to do with two people um what where are you at now with the team is it is it still both of you working on this uh, we know that there's also dojima um, how are you guys thinking about that? Also, um, with the token launch coming and so forth, like, uh, how do you manage it, and, and what's the team like right now? So the the team consists of uh, TJ Robot and myself as uh, two full timers that, and, and we focus predominantly on uh, on solidity as well as I do a little bit of full stack work. Uh, outside of that, we have three part timers that are helping us build both the front end and also helping with the back end. Um, but I will make make this opportunity, take sorry, take this opportunity to say we are looking for more A Solidity devs and, and full stack engineers um, to, to come and work for the team. So if anyone's interested, please um, uh, shoot out, uh, hit us up on um, on Discord. Um, but yeah, where it's it's really the bottleneck at the moment is is the team. So Really hoping to grow. Um, however, we've been bootstrapped, so building a large team fast is, is a bit of a challenge. Um, so, and we're hoping that the uh, the token launch will help with that. We're not we're doing a fair launch, um, so it won't be a direct sum to to build the team. But the hope is that there will be some uh, liquidity generation with the token launch, and and we're hoping that the DAO will um, approve some some votes to put some of that income towards uh, building up the team a bit more. Um, but that that speaks to the, the team's growth. But at the moment, um, like I was saying, that a vast majority of our time is is spent on RoboVault. Uh, we can dig into Dojima uh, down the track, but uh, we've built the, the contracts are quite straightforward for Dojima. We've, we've had them built for, for some time. Um, they will go through some refinements and, and cleaning up. Um, but we do have a, a front end uh, engineer that, that's building us an app that's in its final stages uh, at, at the moment, and, and that's progressing well. We're, it's it's a, a smaller project, 
um, relative to to RoboVault. So it's um, smaller as in the front, the amount of effort that is, um, but it has a lot of potential. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the always uh, existent problem in the crypto space: finding good developers, uh, finding good um, programmers to to help on on your projects. Um, but I, I just want to add to your your comments that I, I think that's that's probably one of the most overlooked. Um, investment you can make in in crypto like starting to program uh starting to um understand a little bit more about the tech uh because i think there can be a lot of careers for maybe people who can program yet but also for more web 2 programmers who uh who want to make make the switch and there is a lot of opportunity there uh, and a lot of great like-minded people so um, it, it, you know, if you're, you're considering, <laughs> I think a lot of projects want to, um, want to, uh, even if you reach out with not a lot of knowledge, um, and maybe you can help on some front end tasks, for example. Yeah, absolutely. The opportunities in, in DeFi are just absolutely phenomenal for, for software devs. And there's, there's also lots of opportunities to, to, um, ramp up and, and learn, um, say the, the Biomasons, for instance, for the, the team that's behind Reaper, um, they've spent a lot of time building up uh, DeFi, uh, DeFi natives or crypto natives that, that love, love crypto um, and might not have all that much programming experience, um, but they're the putting the time towards it, um, as well as uh, uh, veteran software engineers that, that want to get exposed to to crypto and, and upskill in that front. There's, yeah, really it's, there's a um, huge shortage in the moment. So massive opportunities for anyone that wants to get involved. And actually uh, one thing I, I did want to add about, um, uh, about RoboVot specifically regarding resourcing is that um, unlike uh, the sort of passive protocols, there's, there's a lot of overhead in RoboVault for, for management. So managing the strategies, monitoring the, the APYs and, and capitalizing on new opportunities that arise, um, as well as the, because we are writing and deploying a lot more code uh, contracts than, than say a, um, a lending platform or a compound for, um, it is, it's, it's quite labor intensive. Um, so and, and we're acknowledging that and, and we, really, we really want to build a strong team um, so we're, we're trying to lay down the groundwork now and build the processes to do that. I, I have a question around how you think about funding that organizationally, especially as you're doing a fair launch. Um, my understanding is you generate your performance fee, right? The 20% nets of which 80 remains after you pay your earn. Um, how, yeah. How, how are you thinking about that? So w would it be that a portion of the tokens goes to a treasury plus money comes into that treasury via your net performance fees, and then that's used to, to attract a team. Um, and how much dependency do you think is reasonable even for you as the core founders and core team to have um, on a DAO of hopefully well-willing, but perhaps not the most organized uh, community in making sure they do the best thing so that you guys can continue to grow? Yeah, it's a... It's an interesting uh, angle to look at it. It's it's a bit of a contradiction if we were to go full DAO that we want our 
users to be able to sit back and relax and, and earn income. Um, however, a DAO requires um, serious involvement from the community. So it's it, there's a bit of a trade-off there that are at odds um, that, that we, we're going to have to navigate. Um, but regarding the the fundings, um, the funding question, uh, so eighty percent remaining of of those fees, uh, half of that goes directly to the DAO, um, and the other half goes to strategists. Uh, and that strategist at the moment is uh, Dejan and myself. And now, how Yearn does that is that they have a uh, they have a program where the funding goes directly to strategists, but how we operate is that it goes to our team and that, and, and that portion goes towards funding our operations um, behind the scenes. So, and we're, we're still trying to navigate that, but th that seems to be working quite well at the moment. And and we can, it means that we have the opportunity to, to pull on junior talent and train them up um, and and let them grow both in, in salary and, and commission as, as, they uh, continue to contribute. Um, whereas with the strategist model, there's a bit of a barrier um, to going from from zero to being a strategist. Um, it's it is uh, there's a lot of work in that. Um, so some people might might disagree with that, um, but but we think we can we can build up a strong team um, that of strategists in a, in a in a slightly more centralized manner. Um, however, it really comes down to the DAO that that we. If there was another team or strategist or other devs that wanted to deploy strategies on RoboVault once the once the DAO is live, it's up to the DAO to decide whether or not those strategies are going to be included. Um, so even though that our team of, of developers will be centralized, uh, that doesn't say that the DAO will be whatsoever. Makes sense. F thanks for explaining that. And also willing uh, your willingness to be transparent about it. Uh, obviously, it, it is a big challenge. And um, I personally believe that most successful DAOs, if not all, depend on a very committed core team that does need to be well compensated and uh, have alignment. Yeah, ab absolutely. There, there are some DAO structures that, that are somewhat passive that uh, can get by with with votes from from the community or or um, the odd the odd um, funding round, but it is a really complex challenge. Um, and I think I, I, I keep referring to Yearn because they're, they're sort of the, the grandfathers in the space. Um, the stuff they're doing with um, in in how they coordinate their contributors is is um, is really impressive. Um, and they've got a, a it's very decentralized, very democratic. Um, however. We don't have the resources at the moment to invest into building something like that. Um, so we, we've made the call that, that we, we want to build up a team of strategists um, that that, uh, that is somewhat centralized. I think it's also, we see it as sort of an opportunity to um, to try try and change it up. Um, so you compare us to, to another protocol, we're going we're gonna to tweak a few of the, the properties of, of how we operate um, how we, how our governance token is structured, um, how we do emissions, things like that. Um, and really, it's it's an experiment, and, we'll, and DeFi is always changing. So we'll we'll see how how well it goes, <laughs> and trying to adapt the best we can. So um, for for RoboVault, I know you guys have been working on a, a new UI. I've read that somewhere, I believe. Um, I was curious what the um, what the next steps are or the timeline is for that. 
Yeah, so our current UI is just a, a beefy fork that we tweaked. I'm not a front-end engineer by by any stretch of the term, um, and I did that work. So it's it's a pretty janky, um, but it's, a lot of users seem to like it because it's it's quite simple. Um, however, we, we thought it was time to sort of uh, try and uh, express RoboVault in its in its own form rather than um, just forking a front end from from beefy. Um, so yeah, we've we've um, we built it. Uh, it's deployed in a beta state. Um, we've just had some feedback from the users. We've been tweaking some bugs. Um, it's sort of been sitting on the on the back burner with our, our friend and Dev that's been um, making improvements. Um, but he's just done. Uh, he's he's working from a branch that's that's had a, a bunch of improvements that are looking really good. Um, so we should see that going to Prod taking over the main page um, within the next month or so. Um, some interesting uh, features that it, that it has uh, beyond just being a bit more usable and a bit more tailored to it, to the RoboVault experience. Um, it's also allowed us to introduce uh, what we what we've coined DGen vaults and uh, what these are. They they haven't been deployed yet, but they will be. Uh, are vaults that are for those for those users that are that are willing to take on more risk um, that that have a higher risk appetite. Um, this has been feedback from from day one. Is that there are some users out there that are really willing to take on quite quite a bit of risk. Um, however, because we have been quite risk adverse for the past few months, we've uh, attracted users that aren't that are also risk adverse. Um, so to cater to the needs of of both of those categories of users, we're we're deploying these DGen vaults, which will have um, some really interesting strategies in there. Um, so one is that the, on the risk side, there'll be interesting new strategies, um, but also they may or may not be audited. They might be in the early stages um, of of their testing. Say, for instance, they'll be tested like one percent of the of the strategy will be tested with this. With this um, sorry, one percent of the allocation would be tested with the new strategy, for instance. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty exciting on the front end, um, and also we've added um, cross chain support. Um, so we have the option to go cross-chain should we want to in the future. Ooh, that's exciting. And what chain tickles your fancy? Uh, there's, there's a few out there. I, uh, I shouldn't speak too soon. <laughs> okay, okay, that's wise. Um, but uh, we're, we're excited for the UI. I also noticed that you have a, a robo-watch uh, fork where people can see the strategies underlying the vaults. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Yearn has this page called Yearn Watch where you can see these strategies that we've now discussed. So things like the lending strategy or the hedging strategy. Um, so I personally enjoy looking at that before I, I, I make an investment. Um, and uh, yeah, I was happy to see that live. Um, some Something else that uh, I, I think could be really interesting for the growth of RoboVault is partnerships. Um, something I noticed actually this week, I was playing around with the Argent wallet, um, trying to get more experience in, in the ZK space. Um, and, and I noticed that one of the things that they had done is integrate it with Lido and Yearn uh, for people to still get yield while originally depositing on a ZK wallet, for example. Anyway, that, that's driving TVLs for Lido and for Yearn. And I was curious how you're thinking about partnerships 
and um, ways to attract TVL besides just organic growth via your front page? It's a, it's a really good question. Um, one that, uh, in all honesty, we haven't put too much time to. Um, we've, we, I think we've made this pretty clear with, and we, we try to make this clear with, with users that our focus is on, uh, the, the product right now that, our, um, is trying to build a really, really strong product before we try and draw too much, uh, attention. Um, and we're getting close to that stage now. We're pretty, we're very comfortable with our core strategy. It's, it's been, um, reasonably well battle tested we've got other strategies ready to go um and and our inventory of a strategy is growing so we're at a position now where we can start look to marketing and partnerships to start encourage um bringing more tbl in into robo vault um and i think partnerships is a really interesting angle to do that because our strategy is for those users that uh for, for is very suitable for new users that are getting introduction into DeFi. That haven't dug into the into the weeds yet, but do want to get exposure, um, and do want to set potentially set and forget. Um, so yeah, I think think you know what you and Sun is is really smart move, um, teaming up with those though. Um, so we, we'll definitely be on the lookout for for opportunities to to integrate with um, other applications. Yeah, the the other aspect that comes to mind next to wallet integrations is DAO treasuries, right? Like. Um, we, we hope that not all of them are sitting on just governance tokens, but also stables. And um, it sounds like you are already creating different categories of risk profile strategies. Um, so maybe, maybe there's a product for a DAO that is conservative, but beats a single uh, lending strategy. Let's say, put your USDC on Aave. We've We have, in fact, had quite a few DAOs um, reach out um, and, and ask us about, about the strategy and i think that's going to be a growing space that more and more DAOs are going to want to use um, products like ours um however there is a bit bit of a gap in the market for making that seamless and making it so that a DAO can uh vote on on how to allocate the funds through through a contract um so i, I imagine that space is going to get filled out um in in the coming months uh as the the DAOs and particularly um as the DAO and liquidity continues to increase, uh, to that end, I think the work that the um, the Fay and and Rari guys have been working on uh, the EIP four six two six. It's a it's a new vault standard. Um, so at the moment, all vaults, say for instance, our our vault, Yearns vault, or well, ours and Yearns are the same, but um, the compound forks and uh, tarot, as well as uh, farms all have diff slightly different interfaces to interact with with the contracts um, their withdrawal methods and their their uh, deposit methods are slightly different um, whereas this EIP standard standardizes it um, to have all this all standard methods um, and also mitigates a lot of uh, a lot of risks that uh, through the standard so I, I think that's going to be a really interesting space is to see that new protocols or 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 adaptions of existing protocols starting to use that standard, it really opens up uh, an opportunity for for DAOs um, to simplify how they allocate funds. Because rather than having to integrate with six or seven different protocols, they just need to integrate with the one EIP standard, um, and then can just change the address and allocate to a different protocol. That's cool. I, I didn't know that. 
Awesome. Okay, so it's exciting to hear you're thinking about that. Um, so wrapping up RoboVault, we of course have to ask when token, um, but I want to be a little more nuanced than just asking when token, uh, which is that I know you guys intend to do a fair launch. And originally part of that strategy would be, I think, um, an allocation based on how much TVL people contributed over time. And you wanted to snapshot that, I think. Um, but then the uh, the relaunch happened. And I imagine that that maybe um, messed up the original plan a bit. So we're, we're super curious. How are you guys thinking about that now? And w what's the right way to achieve a fair distribution? Yeah, so like like I was saying, we're, we're hitting a stage where we're getting quite comfortable with our our product and, and we're, we're ready to... Um, start thinking about the the launch um and yeah the and we've we've promised from day one that we would we would do an airdrop um we would release some details about it um and the plan was uh like you were alluding to just uh to have a proportional um tbl over time and we've been taking snapshots uh for six months now um and, and logging it to a database um so we're, we're ready to to do that however during the the launch we had to cap our vaults we made the decision to cap the vaults for security um and <laughs> for the first uh, month or two that those those caps were were filled immediately um at that stage we were getting between 30 and 50 percent apy on on usdc and, and fdm so you can understand they're filling up pretty quick um and this meant that a lot of diehard robovault users weren't able to um to participate during that time so our plan at this stage is really just to look at the data um, once we get to that stage. And uh, if it turns out that uh, the allocation during that time is centralized through a few big whales, then we will dilute um, during that period. Um, how we do that specifically, I, 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 can't, I can't guess until we uh, do look at the data and, and, and try and do that in a, in a fair manner. But Regardless of what we do, that discussion is going to be open and it's going to be transparent. So we'll share those ideas that we're uh, considering with, with the community um, and, and take on feedback before we do um, finally do the airdrop. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, just super self-servingly, I was one of those people who was LPing when the rewards were super high, but haven't been able to get in with size since you capped it. Um, I feel like there may be many people who are in that situation, but who would also just spend to get an allocation. Um, I know you mentioned a, a liquidity balancer pool type model. Maybe you could whitelist that based on who has LP'd at some point. Um, just spitballing some ideas, but uh, I feel like that could be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think it's uh, it's very much an open discussion at the moment. Uh, so at the the plan, the rough plan at the moment is uh, to to do an LBP, um, but we're also considering uh, doing a liquidity generation event similar to what what Reaper did, um, and we might whitelist that. We might cap it um, as well. Uh, we I think we'd almost definitely cap it, but yeah, we could whitelist that. Um, so there there are a few options to ensure that those early users that did take on the big risks in the early days um, that, that do get sort of a, um, get a priority there, particularly given they, they missed out. 
um, with the V3 launch. Great. So let's discuss on Discord <laughs> and the governance forum uh, if that exists. Um, I, I think that that really um, uh, wraps it for RoboVault. So um, let's move on. Abe, do you want to uh, pick it up for Dojima? Yes, I, I want to know more about Dojima. We tapped on into that topic uh, already a little bit in this podcast, but uh, next to RoboVault, um, you guys are working on another project. And I, I love the team, by the way. Uh, it, it refers to the, the Jima Rice Exchange from the Edo period uh, around 1600 in Japan. Um, and uh, in, in, in some ways, it's um, one of the basis of, of more modern trading. Uh, for example, most people use candlesticks charts, uh, and these candlestick charts are, have their uh, origin in Japanese rice trading and at the Jima Rice Exchange. Uh, is is one of the more famous exchanges uh, from Japanese history, and and continuing continuing that tradition, um, you um, use that as a team for a new finance platform that enables B two B lending, uh, has futures and options, or other types of financial derivatives uh, and insurance pools. Could you tell a little bit more about why you felt this is needed? Um, tell us a little bit more about the, the, the financial platform, uh, but maybe also tap into why you think that might be a good addition to RoboVault. Yeah, sure thing. So I think the essence behind Dojima um, stem from the fact that in traditional finance that that options are uh, a huge space, um, absolutely massive. A big part of this, I think, is because uh, there's less volatility in, in a lot of traditional finance, so options provide an opportunity to increase um, your your exposure. Um, however, there, there hasn't been an uptaking uh, or much interest in in options. There's very low liquidity and um, volume both in centralized exchanges and in DeFi, particularly peer-to-peer -peer. Um, so a lot of people are a bit apprehensive when we say we're we're building an options platform um, but i think what what we're doing what, what's interesting about dojimo is that we're not we're not just going to be releasing an options platform for for users to to open and, and um, take options um, we're going to be building use cases for options so the the key the key use cases that we're going to be kicking off with to to stimulate liquidity and and deploy the um, Dojima initially will be for a will be the first one is to insure the vaults. Um, so this means that users, if there was a critical um, fault in RoboVault, that they could purchase insurance prior to that that fault, obviously, um, to uh, put, to execute a options contract that would give them 90%, 90 cents to the dollar on RoboVault shares, for instance, which would essentially ensure 90% um, in case of a catastrophic failure. Um, and the idea is that uh, we'll use DAO funds to underwrite these contracts initially, but it might be advantageous for um, other users to open, uh, to provide liquidity for, for these pools as well. 
Um, another use case is uh, it's, is it's similar to bonding, but um, we could well we we are planning on building is a way to use options uh, that allow users to get a fixed return on an AP a fixed APR. So say there would be an option where you'd get a fixed return of of say ten percent on USDC. Um, and whereas the, the capital behind the scenes is being allocated to other lending platforms, um, other yield generating platforms, or even RoboVault itself, that would uh, be hopefully getting a higher return. But really, it's it's the the, um, the option. It's the person. Um, the the risk is being shifted. Um, so you can take this option to get a, a fixed return, or you can um, deploy it somewhere where you're not sure of the return. So it's just about uh, arbitraging that that risk appetite um, for for users that, that are more willing to take a, a fixed return at a lower rate compared to those that are willing to fight for their yield. Um, and the third one is uh, for DAOs. It's a, a, a potential new way for DAOs to generate liquidity um, that they can do. They can emit tokens through call options. Um, so say they set the strike price to the market price. Um, and if the price goes up, whoever purchased those options um, can execute the option and, and get a return or they won't execute it. Um, and so it's it's a new way for DAOs to, to generate revenue. So they're, they're three of the use cases where we're hoping to, we're focusing on initially with Dojima. Yeah, I think that's really good because uh, as you mentioned, when uh, options are named in crypto, people think of low liquidity, um, think of more traditional options that are applied to crypto. And there are quite some problems with that. For example, that crypto is too volatile. Uh, and that's why some people or most market makers don't really want to provide that liquidity. Um, and I, I think the use cases you mentioned are much more applicable uh, to crypto and actually have a valid use case, uh, for example, with that insurance. Um, I, I think for, for a lot of users, they um, would like to provide some collateral on such platforms because that can give, um, you know, give them a use case on the platform and actually uh, work with that collateral, um, but is there some kind of API or like a lending borrowing mechanism uh, directly after launch that that attracts the DVL uh, maybe on the platform? Are, are there any strategies to that already or do you work first on the full platform uh, and, and a roadmap and then see how you can attract that DVL organically? So I think I think we'll take a similar uh, we will take a similar approach to RoboVault that it's somewhat bootstrapped. Um, so it, it's really an experiment at this stage. Um, we're not going to launch uh, the platform with a token, though the token will come at some point after. However, we we want to experiment with these use cases and see where the interest is because um, it, it's it's really unknown at this stage where. Uh, where the interest will be, or whether or not insuring bolts will even even be a successful product. So uh, we're, we're looking to find product to market fit for these use cases. We're, we're confident options are just so flexible and so applicable to, to a lot of situations. Um, we're confident we will find 
use cases that, that are popular. Um, and that, that's where we'll focus our attention um, after a trialing a few. Uh, so initially, our uh, the um, liquidity providing will be private. Um, so it'll be the DAO providing liquidity. Uh, but soon after testing that, and uh, once we, we're confident in the strategies and confident in the interest, we'll, we'll make that public um, through the UI so that users can also provide collateral or insurance um, that, that can get exercised by other users. So would this be a phantom deployment? Because I, I have an idea for a use case that would be really interesting. Um, I had seen that you said that in the case of, let's say, a loan against an NFT or against anything, that since it is peer-to-peer, -peer, there's no dependency on a price oracle. And that seemed incredibly useful to me because it could free up a lot of NFT liquidity, for example. Um, or you could create markets for what otherwise are still vested tokens, right? That that are still locked. So um, wh whether that is from from VCs or angels, or it's people who have vote lock tokens but need liquidity against it, and there isn't a borrowing market. Um, and especially on Phantom, I'm, I don't think there are any live projects that facilitate NFT liquidity at scale. Um, so I'm curious if, if you thought about those. Yeah, this uh. This is one one area that I think really excites Dgen Robot, and he's 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 really keen to to um, to improve the capital efficiency efficiency when it does come to NFTs um, and also um, stake tokens. So definitely, the answer is uh, yes. We we do hope to build um, products that that allow users to to make use of their NFT assets and and stake tokens. Um, and however, it will be in a peer-to-peer -peer manner uh, at this stage. Um, so yeah, really, like I was saying, um, it's a really interesting application. We're going to deploy the tools, to let people give this a shot, and and see where it takes us. On Phantom. On Phantom. Got it. Okay. Great. Great. Um, so hey, I think uh, we're coming up on time. It's been a long, very technical, but incredibly insightful conversation. Um, is there anything that you want to um, still bring up or bring to people's attention as we bring this to a close? Uh, no, it's been a, it's been great chatting to you guys. Um, and yeah, apologies if I, I got caught in the weeds. Um, I love talking tech, so um, forgive me. Um, however, the the only call to action I have is is like we were mentioning earlier that if there's any crypto curious people out there, whether or not your backgrounds in development or not. In programming or not um I, I highly encourage you to, to take a leap and yeah please please reach out um even if you have no programming experience um we're, we're keen to hear uh hear from motivated people that that want to want to learn an upskill but right. out, outside of that uh check out robovault check out our platform and um join the discord uh and uh, check out our Twitter if you are interested and feel free to, to DM myself or, or DJ and Robot if you have any more questions. Great. And uh, I can echo the Discord's a great, very welcoming place. Uh, so with that, we want to thank you for your time, SmoothBot. Um, we definitely feel like we leveled up and are looking forward to um, everything that we discussed and uh, the continued innovation. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks, Brucey.